Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer publisher here with you, and Ryan Easterling, our recruiting insider, as well as you know, yesterday we cover the basketball big news over the weekend, and Illinois football doesn't even let us sleep on a Sunday here as they are hard at work as they continue to add commitments and start to build the foundation of this class of 2022. So three uh, Illinois commitments for football over the last week. It started with Hunter Whitenack earlier in the week, a three-star offensive lineman out of Indiana, 6'7", 290 pounds. Then you get two downstate kids, Central Illinois kids, uh, that Brett Bielema said, hey, we do want to put a fence, and I think it's more realistic to do that around Central and Southern Illinois than it would be up in Chicagoland and in St. Louis. Uh, but they add Hank Beatty, the three-star wide receiver out of Rochester who's put up ridiculous numbers uh, for the Rockets and, and a virtuoso of a coach, Derek Leonard, who has eight state championships over the last 10 years. Uh, Hank, a good get over Iowa State for Illinois. And then on Sunday, not a big surprise here, but Iroquois West offensive lineman, three-star prospect, Clayton Leonard picks Illinois, his lone Power 5 offer. So Ryan, quickly, five commitments in the class for Illinois. Uh, I, I don't know if any of these are, are, are superstars, but it's certainly is the foundation of a class uh, and it seems like Illinois prioritized these guys and quickly turned them uh, into commitments so what do you think of of this last week of getting these three guys all on board well I I think one of the best things they've done is they've gotten guys from the state of Illinois uh, or surrounding states Uh, you know most of these guys are within a three to four hour radius of Champaign um, and really you know for them to have this kind of momentum early I think it's a it helps because heading into that early June official visit weekend, having some of these guys already on board. And I would assume that some of these guys end up visiting that weekend. Some are already scheduled too. Um, it's just going to help them, uh, you know, create more pull for the guys that are coming that weekend that aren't committed. So, you know, I, I think having a good, as you say, foundation uh, really helps here uh, just to get, get things started on the right foot, build some momentum, build some buzz, and hopefully, uh, you know, for their sake, be able to get a jump start on this class, uh, you know, just especially because who knows what, you know, what's going to happen as far as timetable with transfers, anything else like that. Um, you know, now the NCAA approving that transfer rule. Um, but I, I really like the foundation that they built with these five guys. They all fill some needs. They all check certain boxes. Um, they were all gettable guys that they didn't just slow play. You know, I, I think that's one mistake that that's been made in the past is they slow play guys and they, they didn't slow play them this time and they went in and closed. And, you know, a couple of these guys, I, I really think could be impact guys sooner rather than later. All right, we will break down each of these players. So far this class, Joey Okla, the offensive lineman out of Wisconsin, Donovan Leary, New Jersey quarterback, wide receiver Hank Beatty, offensive lineman Hunter Whitenack, and offensive lineman uh, Clayton Leonard. I want to hit on that. They have already filled three offensive line spots, and that seems very um, on brand for for Brett Bielema and and Bart Miller, who's done a really good job as a recruiter. I thought he'd be a good recruiter, but it feels like they only have one offensive line spot left in this class, and Danny McGuire, Patrick Kudis are are two guys that they're certainly going after. Now, if both those guys wanted to come on board, I think they might make room uh, for both of them, Um, but but it is pretty quick work uh, in the kind of guys – you know, grinders, road graders in the in the run game that that make a lot of sense. So I just think it's really on brand for Brett Bielema and Bart Miller to get three of the first five commits here. 
Oh yeah. Well, and, and you think about it too. Uh, you know, they're losing a lot on the offensive line this year and they they've, they've done all right recruiting offensive line in the last couple of classes, but you know, it's going to be a position that needs to be deep. You need big guys that are tough. Um, and especially, you know, we'll get, I'm sure we'll get into him in specific, but I really like Hunter Whitenack, mm-hmm. uh, as a, as a pickup. I think that's a guy that's, that's going to be someone we talk about sooner rather than later, but, um, you know, they're, they're, they're setting the right pieces in place to be able to implement a system. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a plan, they're working the plan and it's, it's coming together pretty quickly. So I, I really like what they've been able to do there. And, you know, not only did Bart Miller land a couple of commitments this weekend, he also joined a very exclusive club. Uh, I think he somehow made his way into Corey Patterson sneaker Saturday with square toe boot Saturday. Uh, and also I, I wish on I, brand on brand. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to try and put my foot above my head, but I have my square toes on right now. So <laughs> shout out Bart Miller. Congratulations on joining the club. Nice. Well, I do not have a pair of boots in my collection, even though my brother does. Um, I believe. Oh, there you going to show him. Okay. Well done. Well done. Yeah. I'm, I'm a son of a farmer. I'm not, I'm not that flexible. I don't even think my dad, who's a farmer, has has boots, to be honest with you. I know my grandpa uh, does, and he, he's a farmer. But, uh, yeah, I, I like having that mix of sneakers and, and square toe boots there. All right. Um, I, I would say that there are some people that are sitting there saying, hey, why would we be so excited about this? I mean, these are a bunch of prospects. I think, you know, Leary had some Power 5 offers, but how many were on the table late in the process? Oakland didn't have any other Power 5 offers. Beatty, Iowa State wanted him. Nathan Shieldhouse wanted him. Um, and obviously Matt Campbell and that program, what they're doing, I think that's a really good get for them. Hunter Whitenack and Clayton Leonard. No other Power 5 offers. So if you want to sit there and go, hey, I'm not going to get excited about this, I'm not going to stop you from it. But I I do like the process. I'm a process guy, Ryan. I'm an evaluation guy. And I like Whitenack. I like Beatty. I think there are questions about Leonard, and and he's a developmental prospect in my mind. I got some questions about Leary, even though I think talent-wise, there certainly is is a lot to like there. I really like Okla is an evaluation as well. Um, But these are guys similarly to what Lovey Smith was getting, but the process they're going through and the in-state commitment they've made and to get some guys on board from downstate, I think that's an encouraging part of the process. And now my son is getting in on the podcast as well. Special guest on the podcast today. (laughs) You know, I, I, I think the difference between what Lovey Smith did and what they're doing now is, you know, they're offering guys early in the process that don't have other power five offers as opposed to offering guys in the, like the last you know couple of weeks of the recruiting cycle that didn't have other power five offers. So they, they still can be selective. And so, you know, it speaks to them making confident evaluations and just knowing what they want ahead of time, rather than having to scramble at the end to, to fill some spots and then closing uh, quickly. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a difference here is, you know, you mentioned it, like it, they made these guys priorities and were like, Hey, let's get on board. There was a sense of urgency. And, and I use that word with Lovey Smith. Sometimes I know some people on the staff didn't like it, but there's just a sense of urgency with this staff and an all out staff effort where all of them are combining themselves and getting on these kids and texting these kids all at the same time and making sure they know their priorities. And what do you know? it turns into commitments. I was texting a couple of people earlier and I said, you know, really now it's, it's no BS recruiting. They're, they're getting after it. And if they want to close down on a guy, they're, they're putting on the full court press. And I mean, I, I have this hunch that we're probably going to see a couple more commitments in the next you know, 
two to four weeks just because it feels like they're in that mode right now. Now, I, I don't think they'll go too crazy because they don't want to fill up the class and then keep themselves from adding some guys later in the season, especially depending on how things go. But, you know, they've got some guys that I think are, are high on their priority list that I think they would take if, if they're really ready to jump. And so, you know, rather than say, okay, hold off, you know, we, we want you to wait a little while. They're saying, yeah, if you're ready, like go ahead and commit. And, and I, I think that's the, one of the bigger differences between the last staff and this staff is they're, they're able to put the, put the, uh, the gas on whenever they need to and, and close these recruitments out. All right, let's break down some of these gets, Ryan. And let's start with the one I think we're both really high on. When we see his film, we see his size. Uh, looks like it, just a prototypical Big Ten right tackle. And I'm a little surprised he doesn't have more offers uh, when it comes to the, the highest level. Hunter Whitenack out of New Carlisle, Indiana, 6'7", 290 pounds. What do you see on film with him, Ryan? Well, you know me. I've said it time and time again. It's it's abundantly clear the guy's a wrestler because he just understands leverage even at his height and his length. What do you Great mean by arm. that, Ryan? I, for people who don't know what that means, what do you mean by that? Well, to me, I, I think you there's a noticeable difference when you watch offensive linemen who also wrestle because they're so much better at understanding and working leverage and and placement and understanding how to still get low. And that's what's really impressive to me about White Knack is, you know, even at his height and with his length, he's still able to get low, get his hands inside the numbers and drive his opponent. And I, I think a lot of wrestlers understand how to manipulate the guy that are across that's across from him. Uh, physically and and move them and reposition them uh, you know they, they understand keeping a good solid base to not get pushed back and knocked off balance um, you know a lot of the stuff you see with Kendrick Green now albeit Kendrick Green's a slightly different position but you see those same sorts of fundamental things uh, with with guys like that Nick Allegretti excellent wrestler in high school Palcheski. also turned into a Alex Palchez, I mean, the, the list goes on. Like Zach Barlev, uh, we'll see what, how he develops once he gets to the college level, but he's another guy who's a pretty good wrestler in high school. So those guys, I always tend to see come in a little more technically refined. Um, you know, there are some other guys that obviously have a lot of potential and can develop once they get to college. But guys like White Knack and those others we mentioned, I, I really think come in with the advantage of having that that technical um I guess call it resource or just that technical experience of having also been a wrestler too. And I think there's a lot uh, from being a wrestler that also translates over to being a really good offensive lineman. Yeah. He looks like a right tackle. I, I, I don't know if he's got the, the mobility to be a left tackle, but I don't even think they're, they're thinking about that. I think he's a, a guy you try out at right tackle. If, if he's not kind of quick enough and pass sets to do that, I think he's a guy that, that could potentially move inside as well. Do you agree? Yeah, I th I think so. I mean, I th I think he's made some improvements in his footwork and his foot speed over the last year, and I think that's stuff that's only going to improve as he improves his body composition. And he's really not bad now. It's just no. Once he once he gets to college, I think he has the opportunity to really improve his body composition, and I think that will help make him a little more nimble, make him a little faster. He'll he'll improve that balance even more. And I was I was texting somebody earlier today, you know, looking ahead, the right half of that offensive line, I mean, we'll see where Okla ends up playing, whether he ends up playing guard or if he possibly picks up center. But the right half of that line could easily in the future be Okla at center, Wise Carver at guard, and Whitenack at right tackle. And if you put a big back behind them, that one we'll I, talk I would, about here in a little bit. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. Either him or, I mean, they they added one in the 2021 class. So either of those guys, I mean, uh, it's just, it's that, that rush attack, that power running attack that just wears out defenses. And if you're running behind guys that can just absolutely maul you like that, um, I think that really gives you an advantage offensively when you scheme and, you know, try to play ball control offense. Yeah, and I, I do want to mention we are seeing kind of a shift in philosophy with offensive linemen as well, right? Like the previous staff, and, and some of these things can you know carry over. Like a player can play in a zone scheme like Rod Smith where it's basically you're blocking a space, right? Not not exactly the man in front of you. It's, it's blocking a space uh, in this zone scheme. Uh, and then in this power run scheme, it's basically double team this guy, get to the linebacker. It's basically man versus man overpower them uh and get to the next level and it's more what we see at wisconsin um you know both schemes can work right i have no issue with with going with either but we are seeing a little bit uh difference of prospects that they could go after and i certainly think white knack and okla uh fit those needs all right let's go to hank Beatty here ryan uh, he's a guy that I, I didn't understand why the previous staff didn't offer one because i think hank Beatty's really good uh he's got uh, ridiculous stats is one thing, but you put on the film, you know, and, and Rochester's going to put up great numbers in Derek Leonard's offense and not all those guys that put up thousands of yards are, are going to be Division One prospects. But Beatty's got good speed. I don't know if it's great speed at the Power 5 level, but it's good speed. And then he's really refined. He's a good athlete. And it just felt like, man, that's a guy that you get in your program and he's going to end up with 150 catches over his career. Don't know if it's going to be the flashiest, but I do think he's going to be productive. He's going to be a kid who works hard. And Iowa State certainly saw that. And when I saw Iowa State offer and Illinois didn't, I was sitting there going, Lovey, what are you doing? You need wide receivers. But then the first new in-state offer that this staff made was Hank Beatty, man. And, and, you know, I think it was really hard for him to say no to Nathan Shias and Matt Campbell, and why wouldn't it be? But I think that's a kudos to this staff and George McDonald, who really made him a priority. But uh, he he's he's a guy that I think is going to be a productive slot receiver. And, and I think he's got the chance to be flashy, but I just think he's going to be productive, right? Well, I, th- I think one thing that you have to remember is Nathan Shieldhouse, when he was still a coach at Illinois, had Mike Dudek on that, on that team. And he saw what Dudek could do. And, you know, the more and more I watch of Hank Beatty, the more I see shades of Mike Dudek. Now, I don't think Beatty has quite the same, like, explosiveness that Dudek had because Dudek had another gear. And I, and I think he'd have a couple steps on Beatty. But as far as the route running ability, the hands, the body control, just the, the football IQ and the precision, the two have a lot in common, uh, you know, similar body types, things like that. And, you know, I watch – watch Beatty's sophomore tape. And I see a lot of what Mike Dudek did as his junior. Um, you know, I think as Beatty adds a little more lower body strength, he'll get a little bit more speed. And I don't think he needs to run a four, four. I, I don't think he does because what he is, is he's football fast. You know, he, he's fast in the sense that he can create separation and get himself open for catches without having to just run past his opponent. And at the college level against good cornerbacks, they're probably going to try and press him off the line to disrupt him. So it's really going to be important for him to try and um, manipulate defenses just with his movement and his quickness to be able to create that separation and get open in those short and intermediate situations. So, you know, I, I like what he brings to the table. And then again, you know, I don't know if the only reason they didn't offer him in the last half was because he was from Illinois, but it could be very (laughs) well could be. Didn't make a lot of sense, but I think at worst he's a Zach Grant like player, 
Another Rochester kid who, by his senior year, I know he's a walk-on, but had 26 catches for 265 yards. Like I think he's going to be a very productive guy. And now we move on to another offensive lineman, Clayton Leonard. Uh, I've seen this guy in person, and I saw him at a camp, uh, Edgy Tim's camp, back in January, and, and I love the way he moves. Um, he, he's really quick. He's got a pretty big frame. I think an interior offensive lineman frame, obviously, but he's, he's not as strong as some of the kids that I saw him going up against, whether it's Valen Erickson, uh, who's got some you know, power five offers, um, you know, Luke Dalton, I'm a fan of, uh, that's in, in the Chicagoland area. Um, some, some bigger, stronger guys. And I thought he struggled in one-on-ones, uh, but there certainly is some potential there. A kid who missed his sophomore year due to a torn ACL plays at a lower level. So I think it's going to be um, a pretty big jump in competition for him. And that's why I think it's going to take some time for him. But I do think he's got the frame, certainly, to get up to 300 pounds. I think he's got the quickness to be a really good center or a guard. Uh, and I think he's going to work his butt off. And, and I think Brett Bielema sees a little bit of himself in Clayton Leonard, to be honest with you. Small town, farm kid, um, you know, will work his butt off for this opportunity. And, and Clayton certainly uh, has said that. So if, if Clayton's not an in-state guy, I don't know if he becomes a priority for Illinois. And But because he is, I think Illinois sees that this opportunity means a lot for him and that he's got a ceiling uh, that could be, I've mentioned this before, I think a ceiling like a Joe Spencer kind of player who's a a nice program guy, could eventually eventually be a starter on the interior. Well, you took the words right out of my mouth when you said program guy. And and I think you need some of those too. And especially with the message they're trying to send about commitment to in-state. It's, hey, we don't just want the best players in-state. And it's like, yeah, sure, we, we do want the best players in-state. But it's like, we want to cover the state. And even if that means going down to some of these smaller schools that only produce one or two D1 guys every 10 years, sure. And, you know, I, I think that the Bielema and Bart Miller really appreciate, you know, the work ethic, the hard, the mindset, the tough, tough-nosed uh, demeanor that he has that ACL injury probably set him back as far as strength and development and building that size. You know, obviously if he's laid up for a while, he can't do a whole lot of lower body exercises. And I think that was one of the things that probably set him back. Um, But you've got the luxury of time, you know, they've got a pretty decent amount of depth and especially if they add one or two more pieces here, they've got the luxury of time to allow him to really develop. And, you know, I, I do see him as probably a, a left guard or an interior guard type guy. Uh, you know, he does move well. He's, he's athletic, has a great frame. I think it's just going to take some time for him to develop um, just to get bigger, fill that frame out, get, get into that frame and, and become comfortable with, with who he is um, and moving at that new weight. Yeah, and, and getting you know he's got he's got some good coaches here, Coy West, but that next level of competition and getting that next level of offensive line training, I think, is going to be uh, really important for him. You know, sometimes over these last five years, Ryan, I, I felt like man, we're talking too much about this in-state recruiting, or I was just I was just tired of it. I was tired of it having to be um, such a a, a a huge issue for Illinois, but it was, and I do think it was an issue because there's so much talent in this state that they're not able to get. So to get two kids from downstate Illinois, you know, a combined one power five offer other than Illinois between them. But when you have guys who have the potential uh, to be impact players at this level down the line and they want to be here, I I think that matters. I I do think it matters when you have a guy who really, this means more to him maybe than, than another prospect. And at worst, 
You know, you have a program guy who really is happy to be there, pushes himself, pushes his teammates, uh, and represents himself well, and and maybe helps you get some other in-state prospects. Uh, so to see two like this, I think, is important. And you eventually want to get the stars of the state. I, I don't think... You know, Deuce, Deuce McGuire might be the best chance they have uh, in this class. You know, Jared Beatty's really good top 15 guy. Ian Pugh, a top 15 guy in state. But I think that 10 for, through 30 range, I think, was always there for the taking for Illinois if they just put in the effort and prioritize those kids. And what do you know? They're starting to prioritize those kids, and they're towards the top of the list for Beatty, Lawfrey, Ian Pugh, Danny McGuire. Like, it feels like they're going to get a huge chunk of those prospects ranked 10 through 30. And I don't think Brett Bielma was reinventing the wheel. I just think he's doing what you do when you make in-state recruiting a priority. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think anybody expected him to come in and just start cleaning up day one with the top 10 prospects in the state. But there, I mean, there were some guys that when he got hired, we, we identified as guys that you should really target that are, at least gettable guys, maybe a couple are, would be a little bit tougher to pull, but guys like Deuce McGuire and Jared Beatty. I mean, those are, those are guys that are kind of on the top end of that range that they're right in the thick of it for. So, I mean, when you come in and you actually stick to your word of recruiting the state, you prove it by landing a few guys. And I mean, obviously right now, the vibe among a lot of these other in-state players, even the uncommitted ones, is is very different and getting out to a few of these football games already this year asking a few of these guys whether committed or uncommitted um they they take notice and these guys all talk and so their communication with each other they're clearly seeing a difference in in the approach that this new staff is taking they feel that there's a genuine commitment to recruiting the state of illinois now and they believe that belam means what he says and He's proving it. The the staff has been just, as Ian Pugh told me on Friday night, has been relentless in recruiting these guys. I mean, they're I don't know I don't know when they sleep, but they're they're talking at length. It's not just like a quick text message here and there. Like they're having phone calls with these guys for several minutes at a time. And when you think about how many guys they're recruiting, like it's impressive that they're fitting this all in. But it shows that they've got a plan and they're executing it. And I think that is paying dividends. We're seeing some returns now, but I think the longer this goes on and, you know, we're, we're still in the first few months of Bielema's tenure, the longer this goes on, the more I, I think you're going to see the fruit of that, that effort uh, be born. So, yeah, let's talk about who could be next and whether there is a domino effect that happens that comes up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. All right, Ryan, you, you talked about how these guys talk. It is true. These, these guys are chatting. There's already a, a group chat with the commits that also includes uh, some targets uh, for the Illini. And both Clayton Leonard and Hank Beatty uh, told me they're chatting with Aiden Lawfrey out of Gibson City, a three-star running back who has several uh, Big Ten offers now. Uh, Jordan Anderson has been chatting with uh, Ian Pugh and Jared Beatty uh, as well. But, yeah, it's just this staff has made a, a full-bore effort uh, in state and there is a, a sense of urgency and and you and I have talked about it there, there's a game in recruiting that that sometimes I, I don't know if Lovey Smith cared enough about um, and it's momentum matters and I, I think we felt that a little in 2019 when they got Jaden Thompson and Reggie Love and they got all those kids on campus you're thinking man uh, they, they could really 
turn this into something, and then it just fizzled out. They didn't take advantage of that buzz or didn't push hard enough for some of those kids to to really get the ball rolling, and I, I think that really hurt them. Um, but now it feels like this staff is is really urgent and trying to take advantage of that. And they have offered some more in-state kids that we'll get into, but Aiden Lawfrey seems like a, a top priority out of Gibson City. Jared Beatty, you caught up with him out of Oswego East. I caught up with Aiden Lawfrey. Danny McGuire, uh, I went and saw him. He certainly is feeling that love, and they got to hold off Northwestern. But those are three in-state guys that would be um, even more than the guys they got in this weekend. I think would be pretty big statements for them and say, like, okay, yeah, Bielma is, is really starting to do some work of what we want or have wanted Illinois to do. Oh, and and with the season that Jordan Anderson's having, I mean, I, I think that's a guy that's that's probably going to be due for a pretty good bump in the rankings. I mean, he is he is putting together some ridiculous games this spring. Um, I saw but, him you know, this it, weekend, and he's feeling yeah. the line I love too. I think uh, Illinois is in a good spot there. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing too is, uh, you know, obviously you want to build buzz, and that that momentum can help. Um, and you, and it, you don't want it to be a case where you just basically build that momentum and pressure guys into committing because then they might be more reluctant to back out of that later. We've seen that in certain cases with, you know, certain other big 10 schools that happens from time to time. Um, but you know, I, I think if the guys are bought in and that's, that's one thing I I've noticed with these guys right now is they seem bought in like white knack bought in Beatty bought in Clayton Leonard bought in. I mean, these guys, Oakland definitely bought in. I mean, they're, yeah. they're taking visits on their own to come see, come see the campus. They're coming to visit the same weekends that other guys are visiting. They're all talking to each other. They're bought in. And so, you know, that to me is an indicator of a more solid commitment, one that's probably going to stick a lot more. Um, and I think those are the types of things when you have those, those solid commitments, that's attractive to the guys that aren't committed because it's not just, Hey, you know, I'm committed. You should too. It's, Hey, we're not going anywhere. You need to come join us. We're going to turn this around. And like some of the comments, especially from the in-state guys, you know, there's not just one or two guys that are saying this, but a lot of the in-state guys that are legitimately interested in Illinois have this common thread of, Hey, we want to turn this, turn this around. This is where home is, you know, if, if they go to Illinois. So, you know, I, I think, they're also in a way appealing to that sense of in-state pride mm -hmm. and not every, not every prospect feels that. And I think, you know, that's, that's a little less strong of a feeling from some of the top guys because they just have so many options. Um, and every now and then you get one, but, you know, especially among those like three star, those, as you said, 10 to 30 ranked guys in state, like I think that that feeling or that vibe is a little more common and the staff is finding a way to strike that note with these guys. And then if you can win games in future classes, maybe you can pick off a couple of those, you know, top, you know, Sebastian Cheeks, Caleb Brown uh, type prospects. Uh, let, let's talk about some of the new in-state offers. Uh, Jordan Anderson, Joliet Catholic Academy running back, a long history uh, of great running backs there. Um, I, I dates back to when I was a kid. Mike Allstott was there. Jerry R. Zwerzinski was a name I hadn't heard in so long. Uh, but uh, Jordan in my conversation mentioned Jr. and I'm like, 
Oh man, I remember reading about him in the Daily Herald when I got the Joliet paper in my hometown. Um, but also, you know, guys like Ty Isaac, Malin Jones, uh, obviously we're in the Big Ten, uh, Josh Ferguson here uh, at Illinois, and, and Jordan certainly uh, is etching his name among those greats with, you know, he's already got 800 yards this season in five games. He had 1,000 yards uh, as, as a sophomore and kind of a, you know, supporting role uh, in that JCA backfield. Uh, but when Brett Bielmo was hired, I made a list, Ryan, of like, hey, in-state guys they should they should take a closer look at and maybe offer. And Hank Beatty was on that list. But Jordan Anderson was like the first guy I thought of because I thought big back, physical style of play, that has Brett Bielma uh, written all over it. And Jordan said his dad said the same thing when he saw he was hired. They were working out, and, and he said, hey, Bielma might be coming for you because this is the style of play he likes. Um, I, I love him. I, I think he's a, a versatile prospect that just – he's such a, a unique weapon for an offense. And I don't know if he's a running back for everybody in every scheme, Ryan, um, because he's big – He's got some speed. He's got some wiggle, but he's not that guy that's going to break you down in space most often. He's just a physical, good football player. Uh, but that that screams Brett Bielman to me. And, and I do think I didn't get to see him in any uh, outside linebacker, pass rusher reps. But I think if if, if they don't want him at running back or H back, I, I think he's got a really high ceiling uh, as an outside rusher. And that's where most people would play him because if you find a guy at six three, two thirty with some burst, uh, usually he's going to be on that edge. But I I just love him as a prospect and I'm surprised he doesn't have more power five offers just because he's a monster man yeah I mean he he physically could play a number of different positions and I think he he would probably be great as an outside linebacker but man when you watch him run the football and see how he runs the football and how physical he is with that I I would just I keep feeding him the rock because that's the kind of guy that you just hate to tackle yeah because he he will make you pay anytime you make contact with him he will make you pay i mean he is he's solid he's big and if you let him generate a head of steam you're going to pay the price for trying to tackle him and and you know especially now we've we've talked about the offensive line and how they're trying to build this more aggressive pro you know proactive versus reactive offensive line where they're they're getting aggressive with with power, you know, a little more power football. I think they'll still have a bunch of wrinkles that work in the offense, but you know, they're definitely going to run the football downhill. And if you got a, a running back like Jordan Anderson in state with that kind of size that still has decent speed at that size and good, you know, pretty good balance and, and good sense, uh, you know, at least agility for his size, man, I, that, that to me, that seems like, give that guy the ball first, second, third down, and just let him wear a defense down. And then, you know, that'll open up a lot of things later in the game to go out there and get some bigger strikes. Him and Josh McCray, man, on the same team. Like, Josh has got some juice to him, and I think he's a really skilled receiver. So I really see him in that H-back role. But uh, he's got some speed to him. But Jordan's got that power. That uh, Those are just unique weapons that that I think are really intriguing of how uh, Tony Peterson can use that. Uh, one position that is a top need for them is tight end. Uh, and they're in the final two for Owen Anderson along with Michigan State. Uh, Owen said he was going to make a decision soon, but seems like he's going to take some visits here uh, in June, including Illinois and Michigan State. So we'll see where that one goes. But they did offer an in-state tight end who some think, uh, and Alan True is very high on him at this position, uh, think he can eventually be an offensive tackle. That's Henry Boyer, uh, Chicago brother Rice. I saw him uh, against Maris, six foot six, and he's a legit six six, two thirty five. 
So he's got a long way to go if he's going to be an offensive tackle. But Ben Miller has been recruiting him, and he thinks, I talked with Henry today, that he's, he's, he's going to be a tight end prospect most likely. But I think they see him as a blocking tight end that every once in a while can catch some passes. And then maybe eventually, Ryan, uh, if he adds the strength and they see enough of him as a blocker, maybe eventually he can go to offensive tackle. But again, first Power 5 offer here. Kent State was his only offer, and he just had gotten that one. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that they've, they've made this kind of push. But again, it shows in-state they are making an absolute priority. And this kid, a lot of his family has gone to Illinois. And I think being the first offer here, um, they could they could be in a great position early for him. Yeah, I, th- I think being that first offer is going to carry some weight. And, and, you know, one thing to keep in mind with a lot of these guys from in the state of Illinois is other than the guys that went out and really actively got out to some camps and things like that or showcases – a lot of schools, and I've, I've heard this from a number of the guys I've talked to, a lot of schools have been waiting on that film to come out. And these players have been cranking it out and, and posting it to things like Huddle as fast as they, they're able to. But a lot of these schools have wanted to see as much film as possible before really making moves on some of these guys in Illinois this spring because they didn't have the fall season. So I, I had always heard pretty good things about Boyer. Uh, and, you know, interesting it's it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes whether he you know stays as a tight end or if he bulks up and plays offensive tackle you know the last one guy i can think of in state who is a pretty good athlete in that same sort of build that 6'6 220 225 type build that ended up growing into a great tackle was david edwards at wisconsin yep. uh, david edwards played quarterback from downers Grove north and he was a really good athlete and now he's like a pro offensive tackle in the nfl so, was, was bielma there when they recruited no that would have been chris right? i think it was just after he left yeah. I, th- I think it was just after he left but I mean, it just goes to show if the guy's got the right feet and, you know, he's a good athlete and he can carry the weight. I think that's going to be the biggest determination is once he gets there, can he carry the weight? You can start to build him up, maybe put another 20 pounds on him and turn him into a blocking tight end. And if you feel like adding more weight is going to be detrimental to him, then just yeah. keep him as a tight end. I, obviously, I think especially if he doesn't get much more over 245, 250, you could still allow him to to be kind of a red zone, like second tight end threat, maybe not the first receiver, but in those two tight end sets, he slips out every now and then and, and catches one or two. But, you know, I, th- I think a blocking tight end is going to be probably more common now. Yeah. Um, not necessarily just because they need it to protect the quarterback, but because they're going to, they're going to run the football a lot more and, and, you know, having that extra blocker in there, I think is going to help. Yeah. I mean, they're going to go 12 personnel this year. I think the Luke Ford role is what you're going to see out of, of Boyer. Now I think Ford's a much higher ceiling pass catcher, uh, but, but Ford I think is his biggest strength. This is a, a physical mauling uh, run blocker. So, um, all right, Ryan, a lot of people, I'm not going to kid myself. More, more people pay attention to basketball recruiting because it's, it's easier to, to, to kind of look at 13 guys on a roster, right? It's easier to look at four or five guys in a class or, or these certain transfers. Um, and, you know, people want four or five stars. That, that doesn't happen that often for Illinois football. And, and even when it does, it's, you know, some of these guys don't work out. I, I think, you know, football is more about finding the fit and developing a, a lot of these guys, finding guys who fit your scheme and your system. But if, if people are looking 
for a four or five star in this class? Like, do you have one that you think? Because I don't think this is going to be a class. I don't think Brett Bielema is going to be a guy, to be honest with you, that's signing 10, four, and five-star prospects in a class. It's not what he did at Wisconsin. It's not what he did at Arkansas. Um, you know, at Arkansas, he had some really good classes. Uh, didn't end up working too, too well for him in the SEC, but he, he did develop some really good NFL draft picks. But his system is recruit to my system, develop them. He obviously wants the best players possible. But I think when they hired him, I wasn't sitting there going, yep, that's the guy that's going to get all these top 300 prospects to Illinois. Yeah, and I, I don't think you you really have to. I mean, if you start winning football games, it's going to make it a lot easier to start convincing four-star offensive linemen to come to Illinois. Yeah. I think that's that's probably where you're going to start seeing that talent increase. Um but you know, he ultimately it's his responsibility and his goal to bring the right guys into the program to implement the system he wants to implement. Now, at some of the skill positions, if you can get more talented players, there are some differences between those four and five star yeah. players and a three star skill player. But you know, especially among the linemen, you know, whether it's a three star or four star, how you develop them probably carries a lot more weight. Than, than what they're rated coming out of high school. Um, you know, cause there's so many linemen that, that probably were underrated in high school that just uh, turned into great players at the college level. And there's a bunch of four-star offensive linemen that end up in the portal after a year because they just didn't quite pan out. So, you know, as far as skill positions go, I think they, that's probably where you'll see a few of those higher rated guys. If they start to have some success on the field, uh, you know, if you're looking for them this year, I mean, Dallin Hayden's probably one of the guys, but it seems like that one's kind of trending towards Ohio State. And then the other one being Sayla Brown, they've yeah. they've done a great job with. And that's one, I mean, if they get him on a visit, he's really been feeling Illinois. Um, you know, whether they can convince him to pop because he's got a lot of other good options, we'll see. But, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of those guys. But, you know, if you get one or two in the first class, great. Yeah. It's better than you've been doing. No, yeah, I, I think you mentioned some of the guys, especially Dallin Hayden is taking an official visit to Illinois, uh, and he's already been to campus a couple of times to visit his big brother Chase, who's uh, transferred uh, into Illinois. Uh, so at least you're in the mix. But my thought with Dallin has always been, you need Ohio State or Notre Dame to prioritize somebody else. Because and who can blame him? Like I, I want to go play running back at Ohio State if I could, or at Notre Dame. Like those are college football playoff contenders that it's just going to be difficult uh, to beat some of those schools. But I don't think anybody's working harder uh, in recruiting down right now than Illinois. So at least you stay in the mix there, right? Uh, Sele Brown, I think they've done an unbelievable job with four-star defensive lineman out of Louisville. Um, I think they've done a really good job uh, recruiting him, and he's got a lot of great options, including hometown Louisville, but. He seems to be feeling the love, so we'll see where that one goes. Uh, and, and I always have a problem with football recruiting because it's not the same as basketball recruiting and how many four-stars there actually are compared to the amount of talent there actually is. So we have 130 usually four-stars in basketball, yet only 350 four-stars in football, even though there's six times more football players. Uh, that always bothers me. So I think Danny McGuire, Patrick Kudis, I think those guys are four-star level kind of talents. So if they landed one of those guys or both those guys, I think I, I think you know the Keith Randolphs of the world, the Seth Coleman's of the world, I, I think of those guys as, as four-star prospects as well, even if they were 600 or whatever they are. I think McGuire and Kudis are of that level. And another one, Sean Miller, the wide receiver out of IMG Academy, originally from Arizona, he's coming for an official visit. They are recruiting him really, really hard 
And he's a kid, 6'1", 190, great speed. Obviously going to be refined coming out of IMG. Uh, he, he's a guy that can make an impact right away at a big position need. Like, And I think that's the sell, right, is – Man, wide receiver, I've been saying for a while here, uh, it's a position I, I don't have a lot of faith in at Illinois right now with what they have. It's no knock on the kids, but I just think they need more talent in that room. I think Sean Miller, you sell the heck out of him as, hey, you're a freshman, you got a chance to start here. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously there's a lot of opportunity, especially that position. Um, you know, they've, they've got some pieces there, but they just don't have a whole lot of big-time playmakers. Um, and, you know, with – uh, Josh Imatorbebe moving on, you know, it's really just kind of like Brian Hightower. And then a lot of the the guys next up really are unproven. So uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a question mark heading into this season as to what the receiver group really looks like. And, you know, honestly, there's not a whole lot of returning production from that position. I mean, you lose Donnie Navarro soon, he's going to be gone. There are going to have to be some guys that step up. And so there's an opportunity for if they get the right guys to step in and play right away. And, you know, I could see Hank Beatty possibly stepping in and playing early just because they don't have a whole lot really at the slot receiver position. I mean, James Frenchie's there, but he hasn't really done anything in the passing game. So they, they need some receivers um, to, to step in and step up. And there's, there's definitely a chance there. And, you know, for a guy like that, that's a four star, you know, maybe some of the, the bigger programs weren't prioritizing him or he'd have to come in and sit for two or three years and, the chance to play right away is, is appealing to him. And that could be your sell. I don't think you want to do that all the time. Cause if you're constantly selling early playing time, then something's not right. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, you've got a chance to do that now. And if for the right positions, you can, you can sell that. And it, it might just be enough to hook a guy like a Sean Miller and bring him in to be, be that feature receiver in the class. Good stuff, Ryan. You got anything else? Any other random thoughts on where Illinois football recruiting is right now? It's, it's, it's interesting going into May with five commitments already and, and what is going to be a pretty big class here. Yeah, usually, I mean, usually we're seeing one or two in June to kick the class off. And obviously everything's moving up a little bit nowadays too, because the early signing period in December and this year has been very different. Uh, you know, live periods back on starting in, or I guess the, the, dead periods done as of as of june one and illinois is jumping right on it that that first weekend in june is looking like it's going to be a big weekend uh, we mentioned him a little bit earlier but ian Pugh is one that's interesting to me he's visiting that first weekend in june and as we mentioned if you know there's a few guys that are committed that end up taking that visit with him that get in his ear and have been in his ear for you know a month and a half two months by that point you know, could they flip him I, I think he likes Cincinnati and he wants to be respectful to Cincinnati, but the way that he talked to me on Friday night made it sound like he is legitimately interested in Iowa and Illinois. Um, and he, he said that Bielema was on the phone with him for like 20 minutes before his game on Friday. So, you know, I think Illinois is really making a push and he's a guy that I think next year will be a really, really good player. Cause he added over 20 pounds of weight mm-hmm. uh, this off season. And it really helped him take his game to another level. So once he actually gets to like 185, 190, I think he could be a really darn good player. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Good stuff, Ryan. Appreciate the time, man. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. All right, and that'll do it for a busy weekend for us here at Illini Inquirer with a couple football commits. You can read the latest on them at IlliniInquirer.com, as well as the big day uh, for basketball on Saturday with Trent Frazier returning and Alfonso Plummer, the Utah transfer, 
committing as well. We got all of that at IlanaInquire.com. It's been a busy weekend of content there. Uh, but of course, we have more coming up on Monday with the spring game. If you haven't already, you can go back, listen to our podcast of Joey Wagner and I previewing the spring game, breaking down position by position, and what we'll be looking for with that. All right, everybody, have a great rest of the weekend. Monday morning, if you're listening to this as well, take care of each other, and we will talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast.